0: What's happening? Will Freeman, Revolutionary Lifestyle Design. Coming at you today to talk about what I've learned from a decade of entrepreneurship. So without further ado, I've been an entrepreneur in one form or the other for the past decade. I've made six figures in both as a pro trader and in corporate sales. Um, Started, I think, six businesses. Got a lot of experience in terms of making money, and I've had some successes. I've also had a ton of failures, failures, made a ton of mistakes. And basically in this video, I want to give you my knowledge so that one, you don't make the same mistakes. And what I really want to do is I want to be able to take a decade off your learning curve. Let me have failed for you, made the mistakes for you so that you don't have to and so that you can avoid the 90% failure rate of most businesses. I failed in a lot of businesses, and I can tell you it's it's really not fun. And I want you to be able to avoid that. So, with that said, the majority of this advice is not for guys trying to build the next Facebook. Okay. The majority of my stuff, both in entrepreneurship and in all the other stuff I do on RLD, is for guys who are 18 to 35, you know, your average guy, and who wanna get out of the rat race and want to Build your own business. Okay, my goal is to get you to six figures a year, or the developing world equivalent, which over here in Southeast Asia is about four grand, um, four grand a month, or, or forty grand a year. And after the, after that, you can decide where you want to go. Okay, you can you can decide your own path after that. I want to get you to six figures. I want you to not make the same mistakes that I've made, and I want to make sure that ideally your first business or the business you're working on is success. Okay, so if you do want to build the next great tech startup, um, you want to build a $40 million business, I have included some advice for you based on my experience with my tech startup. Okay, um, that failed, but there is still some advice there. But with that said, that advice is for the truly exceptional guy. Okay, and I'll, I'll define exceptional later on in this video. For most guys, however, building that tech startup is not the right move for myself included, okay? I'm including myself in that, in, in that I'm not exceptional enough to build that $40 million tech business, okay? And if you are exceptional and you do wanna build that $40 million, $100 million tech business, I suggest you keep the advice in mind that I'm gonna break down for you in the video, but you're gonna to have to look to guys you have succeeded on that level Um, to give you the roadmap, you know, the venture capitalist blogs, the Silicon Valley blogs, those, the types of books written by those guys is where you're gonna have to look for that because I can't take you there. But I do have some advice for you if you are exceptional and I'm also gonna give you the criteria to see if you're, if you make that, if you are that exceptional guy because believe me, thinking that you're exceptional in that area and going into that business can cost you two or three years of your life if you're not, all right? So that's an important thing to understand. So, without further ado, to succeed in business, the first thing you need to know is what to expect, okay? What to expect, and to start on what to expect, expect building a profitable business to be the hardest thing that you've ever done, okay? You don't know what hard work is until you've built a profitable business. You think you do, but you don't. Um, The only comparison I have to to actually building and succeeding in business, was working in corporate sales. Uh, succeeding in sales is, is very difficult. It's a lot of hard work, it's a lot of stress. Uh, that's the only equivalent that I know of. But whether it's succeeding in sales or building your first profitable business, it's gonna be the hardest thing that you've done with your life. Okay, so forget all that entrepreneur porn that you read. And they tell you it's hard, but they, they, you really don't know how hard it's gonna be. Okay, school and regular jobs are a joke in comparison, getting in shape is, doesn't compare, getting girls doesn't compare. Do not let the entrepreneur porn fool you. Building a winning business is way harder than you think, even if you think it's gonna be hard, even if you have conservative estimates, it's gonna be 10 times, you're gonna to have to put in 10 times more work than you think you, you're gonna do, okay? Let's say uh, you wanna succeed in real estate. 90% of people fail in real estate because they think the four calls a day is gonna get them there. When in reality, for your first year or two, you should be looking at doing 400 calls a day, all right? 400 calls a day, plus advertising, plus servicing your clients, plus learning the hell out of your industry is what you need to be doing, okay? And don't think, oh, you know, 400 calls a day, that's so much. I did 400 calls a day in a minimum wage call center with like a $3 bonus per close, you know, on a six hour shift when I needed money. Okay, you can do four hundred calls a day on your real estate business. You can just get the phone book out and just start banging out leads out of the phone book, right? Or you can tailor into leads or whatever. But I mean, expect to be putting in that work. I mean, I get emails from guys like, Will, I I started a service business. It's been two months. I'm it's hard. I'm thinking of quit." I was like, "Dude, man, give it two years of and and you know, not be making five calls a day, making three four hundred calls a day and emails and all that stuff." All right. So don't get me wrong, it gets way, way easier. Like now I'm five years into RLD, I cannot do any work for three months and I'll still be making the same amount of money every month because of all the passive income I built, but that comes after years of work and experience, okay? So expect a tough grind for the first two years that's gonna stretch you to your limits and beyond your limits. What not to do, okay? So now you know what to expect, I'm gonna tell you what not to do first thing you do is, is you don't go into debt for your business. You don't go into debt for anything, it's just not good. The only good kind of debt is if you're a CEO of a billion dollar corporation and you can borrow as much as you want because you don't have to pay it back and you're not liable for it and you're still gonna take home your 30 million dollar bonus that year, okay? For the small business owner, don't do it. I mean, I hear about guys going, Going 100K into debt for a subway franchise that might earn you 15%. It's going to take you, I don't know, six months to a year to market. You're going to hope that you found the right location. If you didn't find the right location, all the advertising in the world is not going to get you business. It's going to be over. You're going to be 100 grand down, and you're going to have to keep putting money into that every month. I mean, just say no to debt. Instead, save your money, master your skill, learn how to sell, and throw it all into a low overhead, low expense business, at least for your first business, okay? Next point on what not to do is don't start a business with high upfront costs. So in this day and age, bricks and mortar or franchise style business, as I said before, Subway style or you know opening McDonald's whatever, are, to me are definitely a no. Um, but you probably know that if you've been reading entrepreneur stuff. Uh, you might be looking at... Dropshipping either through your site or through Amazon FBA or eBay or AliExpress. Uh, I know guys making money in all those different areas. Um, I know a guy made a ton of money in AliExpress, Brian from losertowinner.com. But it's important to understand the cost before you jump in, okay? So I took a shot at Amazon FBA. Um, it took us about four grand to get to markets, three months to get there, and then no one wanted our product. Um because by the time we got in there, our store was cannibalized by a bunch of other FBA dropshippers who weren't there when we first found the niche. So for most Amazon FBA stores, you're looking at two to three shots to build a successful store, uh, especially if, if you're not particularly business savvy, if you haven't been an entrepreneur for too long. So you're really gonna be looking at like 12 grand and you know six to eight months of your time because you're you know your first two stores probably aren't gonna work. Okay, so you're looking at 12 grand. And AliExpress, okay, if you wanna drop ship on AliExpress, you gotta put a lot of money into the Facebook ads. You're looking at 3K to 15K of upfront advertising before you even find out if you found a winner. And you might not find a winner, so you might drop 15K on, uh, 4K on one product, another 4K on another product, another 4K on another product, and none of them hit, and you're 15 grand down, all right? That's just, you got to know those 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 costs up front, and neither of those are a lot of money um, up front if you're rich, okay. But if you don't have a lot of money, twelve grand is a lot of money, especially if you're just starting out a business. And that could have been it could have taken you a couple years to save up that money, depending on what kind of job you have. And then when you invest in a business like that and you lose all your money, now you got to go back to the corporate world for another two years, stack your cash. Build a a new business, you know, the opportunity cost is like two years. I mean, the time cost, all kinds of things can really hurt you there when you don't succeed on your first business. Uh, That's why I think a service based business is better uh, because there's very low overhead costs, just basically internet and phone connection. And you can take shots on the e commerce business once you've built a six figure service-based business, right? You can just take out, your, you're making 10 grand a month, you can take four grand out a month, get someone else to do a lot of the grinding for you and, and take a shot that way. Um, especially true if you're geo arbitrage your income. So you've got a service business, but you're living in Asia and now 10K a month is worth the equivalent of 30K a month in the West, right? So that's, that's one thing you got to keep in mind. So definitely know for the big, you know, $100,000 investment businesses, Maybe for the e but again, if you don't have a lot of money, you know, when you're looking at 10 to 15K, that might not be your best move for your first business. Uh, but we're going to get into more a little bit about the e-com and, and what I think is your best starter business as, as we go on. Uh, The next point on what not to do is don't get into businesses you're not passionate about. This is very important. I gave Amazon FBA and AliExpress dropshipping a go. They failed for a number of reasons. I did this while I was still working on RLD. This was in the last couple of years. Uh, One big factor was that I hated both businesses. Uh, If I enjoyed enjoyed it, I would have gone back to it a few times, probably hit a winner. But I hate e-commerce. I hate selling products that I don't care about. And I have a business, I have RLD as my mission, and any time away from that, I felt like I was cheating on my wife, right? RLD, RevolutionaryLifestowdesign.com is my wife, it's my my baby, and I felt like, man, why am I spending time on this? I should have just released another book or or done a video course, um, and my heart just wasn't in it. So that's a really important thing to understand. If you're not passionate about what you do, it's going to be very hard to find the motivation, and you're also not going to be happy with it. Some guys love e-commerce. My man Josh loves e-commerce, but I don't. And uh, you know, if you want to be unhappy and do something you have no passion for, you might as well just work a job. That's that's my take on it. If you're passionate about e-commerce, then it's, it's a totally different story. Or you know, whatever it is, just make sure that whatever you're doing, you're you're enjoying what what you're doing because you're going to be doing that eight to ten hours a day, seven days a week for at least the first couple of years. The next point, and it's kind of similar to the last point, is don't start more than one business at a time. Um, with, a, with maybe an exception of like, okay, you built the service-based business up over three years and then you can start, you can take the shot with the e-comm, but you got, you're got you paying some guy to do 90% of the work and you're splitting it 50-50. You're the money partner. He's the grinding partner type thing. Um, but for me, I can't do more than one thing at a time. If I try to, the second thing will suffer uh you know uh, in most cases if if you're if you're trying to run three businesses it means that you're not sure about your first business okay so instead of instead of putting all these mediocre ideas out there you should be doubling down on the best idea instead of trying to do all these hustles cuz doing that's going to burn you out um the only time you can have more than one business is when you're rich and you can po- afford po- people to pay people to do the grunt work when you're doing three businesses, the, the the stuff that burns you out is when you're trying to do like technical problems, data entry, grinding, finding like really boring solutions to boring problems. Okay, if you're P Diddy, it's easy. He can have the Rock Vodka, he can have Bad Boy, he can have television shows because he just pays people to do all the grunt work. He just does the high level fun meetings and then he just tells everyone else what to do. Okay, that's a totally different story. You can be involved in all kinds of projects like that. But when you're small and you're starting out, and you're involved in, and you don't have a lot of cash and you're involved in the grunt work for all those businesses, I don't suggest starting more than one business at a time until you can get rich and pay people to do the grunt work for you, all right? Next po- point on what not to do is don't partner with the wrong person, if anybody, okay? I started, one of, my first business was a Vice Magazine clone that folded because my partner wanted out and I was dumb enough to let him buy the domain and keep it in his name, and then he was supposed to do the tech work. He didn't do anything. I basically had to learn it all, and I learned how to do WordPress, WordPress Magazine, which really helped me when I did RLD, but he was doing none of that. He wasn't doing anything that he's supposed to. He told me he wanted to be creative director and just contribute ideas occasionally without doing any work, and he was super negative. And eventually he wanted out and he said, okay, um, I'm taking the site down. If you wanna, uh, you're gonna pay me for the time that I put in. Okay, none of us were making money at the business. And he ransomed, you know, he tried to ransom the domain back to me. In my tech business, our developer partner went MIA nine or 10 times. Eventually he went no contact. And because he was such a rockstar developer, we couldn't do anything with his code because no one was smart enough to be able to figure out what he was doing. And our business was, was finished uh, in that same business the reason that my uh, the other partner brought me on board with that tech business is because he was funding everything and his partner stole not the developer the other partner stole forty thousand dollars of his money that was supposed to be going to the business that he was using to take girls out for dinner okay insane stuff right I mean you really think you know people but people are funny around money and you don't know someone until you're in business with them And you gotta be very, very careful about who you get into business. There's maybe three or four guys that I know that I would consider doing business with. Okay, and most of those guys I've known for at least two years. They say don't do business with your friends, but in reality, you can't you have to do business with your friends because you have to get to know a guy for you know two, three, four years to make sure that he's a solid, trustworthy guy. You meet a guy at a networking group or whatever and you're starting a business with him a week later, you don't know who you're into bed with, all right? And some bad things can happen. So it's important to understand. Speaking of, to add to that point, don't waste your time networking, okay? No one at networking events has any money. Uh, you don't know the, the majority of the guys uh, that I found are not, they're not my kind of guys. I mean, the last thing you wanna do, the last thing, okay, if a guy has money, He's not going to networking conferences and getting swarmed by a bunch of broke entrepreneurs. Okay, instead, you spend your time building a business that makes money. Like, I'm I'm out here in Thailand. There's all kinds of these digital nomad conferences and guys talking about e-commerce or building a blog. If I go to those conferences and they, I tell them about my blog or my personal brand, okay, I got a hundred thousand visitors a month or hundred fifty thousand on RLD and other. Four hundred thousand views on RLD, another four hundred thousand or hundred thousand views a month on YouTube. I need a guy who's making five hundred thousand, getting five hundred thousand monthly visits, for me to be able to learn something from him. So the majority of the time, if I'm going to that conference, it's a bunch of guys trying to like get information off me. Same thing for the investor who's got a lot of money. It's just a bunch of guys who want his money. The last thing he he wants to do is get hounded by those dudes, right? And those types of things, you'll also meet a lot of guys that I call fantasy businessmen. Okay, they're guys who dress up like businessmen. They speak in buzzwords, but they either don't execute or have delusional expectations. There's a ton of those guys, a ton of entrepreneurs out there. And if you're doing tech business, you'll see them at networking events, at startup drinks, at entrepreneur meetings, at meetup groups, at seminars, at digital nomad meetings, and, and everywhere in between. And... Back in the day when I still used to have those conversations, I'd, I'd meet so many guys and we'd get hyped up on all these ideas, and then nothing would come to it because they just they weren't executing, or I could tell that their expectations weren't in line with the reality. They didn't know how much work really needed to be done, and just a waste of time. Okay, we had one guy at my tech accelerator who 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 was a trust fund guy He was in his forties. He'd been there for two years. He had no revenue, and every meeting he would talk about how he's gonna get the client of Japan on board for his business. He was like, when I get Japan on board for this, everything's gonna change. Literally, the country of Japan was what he was selling to other people, of like, this is, this is what's, you know, my business is gonna be built on this. Like, he had no revenue for two years, like, crazy stuff, okay? Next point is don't, if you can, avoid starting a business where you need to manage people, okay? We'll get into the tech business and if you're exceptional, you know, because that that is going to be management. But for most of you guys in the service-based business that I recommend, it's like 90% of your headaches come from managing people. I'm a sole proprietor here at RLD. If I want something done, I just find a guy on Elance or I find one of my friends. I use Matt Lawrence for my book covers and I just pay them to do it. Okay, I don't have to manage anyone. I was like, here, this is what I want you to do. Come back to me when it's done and I'll pay. All right. 90% of business stress comes from managing people. I managed people when I was in sales. It it was a nightmare. I'm I'm responsible for all all their targets. Then, you know, data and metrics are predictable, but people aren't. Um, People are not reliable or accountable on average. And then you've got the headaches, the responsibility. And even more than that, if you're a new business, now you've got payroll to meet every month. Okay. For yourself, it's different. You can live on. You know, when you're building a ba- business, you can baseline it and you can live on, you know, chicken and rice for six months if you have to, but your employee's not gonna wanna live on that, right? He's not gonna stick around. So now you got payroll to meet and that just adds a totally another level of stress um, on top of something that's already stressful, which is starting a business. So, you know, I recommend at least for your first business, for your starter business, the sole proprietorship way is, is 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 the way to go if you want something done pay people on contract for it to to do it and you can always add more people into the equation when you have a lot more money but ideally what would you'd want to do and what i'll do as i scale up is i'll just get someone to manage i'll have i'll still have the contractors but then you just get some guy that you trust to manage all the contractors he deals with all the headaches you pay him to deal with the headaches he sends you a weekly report of what's going on that's a much preferable model for me than getting everyone in office and having to manage ten people and payroll and all this mess. Okay. Um, don't next point on on what not to do. Don't get into a business with an informational disadvantage. Okay, this is something that I learned from the tech business. As I mentioned before, we I was in business with me, my buddy Zach, and this kid who was a rock star developer and even though we were paying the guy a living wage not taking anything for for ourselves this kid was still doing like two or three hour work days he was totally unreliable he would go mia all the time but no one else could do what he did okay you can't just find another rockstar developer you can't just find another programmer that's at that high level this kid could literally build anything he's a genius and so we had to coax him back like hey man you know you come back we couldn't you know, go hard on him because he would just run off and, you know, it was a total mess. And then when he finally went totally MIA, our business was finished because no one else could, could figure out his code. No one else could do anything with what he was doing because he was just on such another level. And neither Zach and I could, could program at all. And we were just in such a massive informational disadvantage and after that blew up, I told myself I'll never be in a business where I don't know exactly how everything works. So if there's a problem, if I choose to partner with someone, which again is a dangerous thing to do, I can do everything, right? So I can hire a bunch of people for RLD or I can hire a guy to manage RLD and hire all the, manage my contractors or whatever. But if there's any problem with him or the contractors, I can do every single thing for RLD. I can do... The majority of the technical work, I can do the video, the SEO, the marketing, the Facebook, everything, okay? And that's the position I want to be in. The only time you want to, if there's going to be an informational disadvantage in a business partnership, you want it to be tilted in your favor, okay? You want to be the programmer, you know, in business with another guy who's not doing that, okay? If, if, that's, if that's how it's going to go down, you want to always have, you, you know, the advantage on your side not on someone else's side where they can just leave or not do their work and you're finished because they have that informational leverage over you. Next point on what not to do is don't start a startup if, unless you're exceptional, okay? This is what I was talking about earlier in the video. If you wanna build a $40 million tech company, great, but you need to be exceptional and by that I mean hard metric exceptional quantifiable measurable intelligence just because you're a smart guy and a hard worker is not good enough i feel like i'm a smart guy i know i'm a very hard worker you might be a very smart guy and hard worker but that's not enough okay you need 150 iq and to be a rock star developer the kid that i'm talking about who went mia and who had no work ethic that guy was exceptional he should be worth you know 40 million dollars but he's not after he left us, I heard he went to another job and got fired because he wasn't doing work. I mean, he took a job making seventy thousand dollars a year when he should be in business making, you know, seven hundred thousand dollars a year at least because he's a literal genius. He could build the next Facebook. He could. He could, that kid could build anything. I saw. I really saw when I was watching him. I saw up close what exceptional looks like, at least in terms of tech, and I really realized that I didn't have it. And neither did Zach. Both of us are high IQ guys. I'm exceptional in sales, and so is Zach. Uh, but and our business acumen is, is pretty good. But neither of us can program a microwave. And it was like, I, I realized there's no there's no way I should be in, in in tech when I'm competing with guys who are exceptional, right? Okay, you take a guy like Mark Zuckerberg. He's super exceptional in intelligence, super exceptional in business acumen and super intelligent in sales. I mean, he's he sold his way into um, major, major VC partnerships. And I mean, that's who you're competing with in tech and, and I've just got no business competing with a guy like that and I know it. So that's something that you really, really have to take in, into consideration. If I'm talking to you and you've got a 150 IQ and you've got insane level programming, all bets are off, man. Go give it a shot at tech business but if not, man, I don't think I think it's a mistake to get into it. Next point on what not to do: This um, is if you choose to do a startup. Okay, if you are exceptional, don't join an accelerator. Uh, an accelerator, if you don't know, is a collective of successful entrepreneurs and basically help launch your company for a percentage of your corporation. Okay. And it sounds like a win-win proposition, but in, in practice, it's a bit different. So our accelerator didn't do a whole lot for us except introduce us to some VCs and potential mentors, mentors all of who we could have met through cold calling and FaceTime. But in hindsight, we wouldn't have even bothered because they did not care about us until we had traction. Uh, and I hated working in the accelerator because the owner would come around and try and talk to us as if we were his employees and asking about sales and our sales targets. And he would try and pitch us push us to pitch these VCs after we figured it out. Like they don't care unless we have hockey stick traction. And then he would bring someone into the office and put on this whole dog and pony show And he would get all the companies to meet him in this giant meeting every day for, you know, it took two hours out of our time, you know, that we were trying to work on to build our revenue, wasting time with some guy that's going to go nowhere. So the owner can look good in front of, you know, whoever VC or some mentor, some, some dude that he's bringing in that didn't give a fuck about our company, okay? And so all that messing around was costing us two hours a day. I hated the guy's attitude, and not to mention the fact that they took like 10% of the company without investing money into it. That was a big thing. Now, this was in Toronto, okay? This is not Silicon Valley, and Toronto had some more prestigious accelerators. This wasn't a particularly prestigious one, but I heard from a lot of the other companies working there that it was better, but it wasn't a whole lot better, okay? With that said there's a big big exception. Cuz I can only speak from Toronto. If you are if your company is able to get into one of those big Silicon Valley accelerators like Y Combinator, totally different story. Okay, you should be, you know, breaking your neck to get into that thing. And believe me, we tried to get into Y Combinator, but they didn't, you know, we weren't our business wasn't nearly valuable enough for them. A place like Y Combinator run by like former Silicon Valley guys super useful because one, they give you money for a percentage of your company. And two, you've got a a ton of useful advice and connections from guys who are actually successful, really successful. And a ton of successful companies have come out of that. So that's the only exception. If you can get into one of those top 10 um, accelerators, or maybe even top 30, if you're talking about in Silicon Valley, but in my experience, at least outside of Silicon Valley, in in just a major city, um, you know, with an accelerator, that's not huge. It's, it's, it's even some of the more prestigious ones, it's it's not worth your time. All right. So that's it on what not to do. Now I want to talk about how to get started. All right. So starting the right business, that's key. My as I briefly mentioned before, my first two businesses were online magazines. The first one was a Vice magazine clone. Okay, I'm not talking about Vice Magazine now. I'm talking about Vice Magazine back when I was growing up and it was starting out in Montreal and it was super edgy and like They were just writing about crazy shit and it was really fun. And I tried to do that. And the other one I did was a fashion mag. And you know, basically, in this day and age, most online magazines and newspapers are just hemorrhaging money. I mean, even like the New York Times and all like all the big ones are are getting smoked. And I thought I had figured out a model because I was getting people to write for me for free. Again, I can sell, so I was. Getting people that I knew, or <coughs> girls that I'd seen, or girls that I had dated before, to who were writers to to write for me, and I was, you know, I had like 15 people writing for me for free, uh, but the quality wasn't quite there. Of course, you know, when you're getting free content, and neither was the accountability, because again, they're doing it for free. Uh, not that I blame them. You know, in hindsight, in now I don't accept anything for free. I want people who are who who want to get paid and who are serious, and then. When I pay someone, I can tell them what to do when it when you're getting someone for free, it's like you can't really go too hard on someone because they're they're doing it for free um, and the only companies that are still thriving and growing are companies that have huge backers and are willing to take a loss um for a while or like boring business to business publications where they're selling overpriced ad space you know thirty thousand dollar a month ad space for insurance or financial services companies, those type of magazines are still running. So in hindsight, two magazines were, you know, totally the wrong business. Um, And that took three years out of my life. Not that that was the only thing that I was doing. I was working in sales and then at night I would go home and work on those. But I mean, I could have been three years ahead if I'd started RLD instead of RLD from 2012, I could have been doing it for, I don't know, 2008. All right. Next point on how to get started: build a brand, not a hustle. A lot of talk you hear in the entrepreneur world about hustle, 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 hustle. Uh, I don't like the word hustler. Okay, I would prefer the word grinding as opposed to hustle. Uh, to me, a hustler is a guy who's just looking to make a buck on some kind of hustle, basically. So I say, don't be a hustler. I see, be a builder. Build and build a great brand that. You're, you're gonna be able to work on for a lifetime ideally and maybe even give it to your kids. Um, a brand that's gonna be paying you five years from now for the work that you did today. Like, to really get excited, you need to be able to see the long-term vision of building something great, not some hustle that might be over next month. Like, with RLD and doing these videos and, and the articles since 2012, I'm happy to work on, this year I just did articles and videos. I didn't even release a new product, so the majority of the articles and videos I did were not about um, getting traffic. It was just because I'm just building this brand, building this brand, and I'm trying to get all the content that I've been sitting on for the last four years out. And I'm happy to do that because my timeline is forever. Like my timeline is I'm doing this business until I'm dead. So that having that vision makes it so much more enjoyable and so much more exciting and so much more fun. And the great thing is when you having, when you have a brand, the work that you're doing now could be paying you for the next decade. So like the bulk of my traffic comes from articles that I wrote three years ago. A quarter of my money comes from one book, How to Get Laid on Tinder, that I wrote three years ago that took me three months to write, okay? That's still making me a quarter of my income and it's passive income and it's, it'll probably go through a couple iterations in the next decade, but it's still gonna be making me money for the next decade. You know, I would bet on it Something that I did three years ago, okay that's incredibly powerful, and that's the power of investing into a brand as opposed to you know one hustle here for three months, one hustle there, and you never get any of that compound in interest and investment back on on stuff that you did or on those you know a client that you brought on a decade ago could still be paying you today if you had invested in building a brand instead of just running from one hustle to the other, all right so Think of yourself as, as a builder something great. You got a vision, you want to help people, you want to solve problems, you want to create better realities, you want to make people's lives better, you want to add value. Instead of a hustler just like, where can I make a buck? What, what fucking, you know, hustle can I do to make a buck? You know, you should, you should build a brand and then look at everyone who comes across your brand as a potential lifetime client, okay? I hope you're gonna be, I hope you're gonna buy all my books, and then over the next forty years, I like, go. Oh, you're gonna buy every book and course and audio and everything that I do. I mean, most guys probably aren't gonna be lifetime customers, but that's how I try and present it. That's how I try and look at everything. Like, let let me make everyone that comes to this brand gonna be a lifetime customer because it's it's a total. It's the build and the vision and compound interest, compound investment, all those good things. All right. Next point on getting started is, get to market as fast as you can. Okay, that's super important. Get to market as fast as you can. If people don't want your product or service, you don't have a business, all right? When you get to market fast, you fail fast. um, Without spending a ton of time and money to find out that no one wants your product. Like this guy did when we started our tech business. It Took like a year to market and then no one wanted it. Great that that feels really good i'll tell you that guys you do not want to do that okay i also failed slowly in my online magazines all right and that sucks too even on the amazon fba i failed not slowly but like mid speed it took like 3 months um 3 months to get our product to market uh, you know it's not a ton of time but still longer than i would have liked or at least longer than i'd recommend to you especially on your first business um because yeah, okay, 3 months to market isn't a ton of time, but like let's say you want to do a personal training business. You can go out and get a client tomorrow. You can go out and sell somebody tomorrow. Like in a service-based business, you can have a client before you even start your business, right? You can test the waters before you invest any money being like, "Hey, I want to be I'm in great shape. I know a lot about fitness. Let me go out and hit the phones or, you know, hit the gym and find a personal training client." You can start a business you can have a customer before you even start a business so you know that you're already you're already in the market, right? As opposed to doing a business where it's like a two month, three month, or three year cycle before you get to market and then hope and pray that someone wants your product. So that's very important. Getting to market is very important. As, as quick as you can, knowing you have, can have a customer or client is really important, uh, at least on your first business. Again, guys, when you're making 10 or 20K a month on your service business, you can afford to take 4K, give it to another guy to take a shot on an FBA or an AliExpress, but when you're just getting started, it really sucks to fail in your first business and 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 take a loss. It really sets you back. So you gotta be careful about that and, and, and try and get the business that get to market as fast as you can. And to add to that, getting to market is is also about knowing that there's already demand for your product and service, which is my next point. And it's, it's the same thing. It's no, there's already demand for your product or service, okay? And by demand, you mean that you already know people want it. Um, ideally, it's something they need, but want is good enough as long as the market is big enough, okay? Need is better, but want is good enough if it's a big, big market. And it's not about reinventing the, re- the wheel. Nine times out of ten, reinventing the wheel will always cost you money, time, and inc- increase your chances of failure dramatically. For every Facebook, there's 999 businesses that failed trying to reinvent that wheel. Okay, um, in my accelerator, there were like ten businesses there, and there were a bunch of businesses before. Not, I don't think any of them succeeded. One business of a guy who was there a year before got bought out for a small amount, which was like 500k for you know three years' work and not a ton of money between three guys. And it was really just an aqua hire because they wanted the rockstar developer for that business to come work for their their company. All right, so that's an important thing to consider. Um, Know there's already demand for your product and service. Trying to reinvent the wheel nine times out of 10 is gonna cost you a lot of time and money. And so let me give you some examples of businesses that already have a known market and a known demand. Okay, so for offline, selling real estate, insurance, cars, coaching, training, accounting, any blue collar trade, okay? All those have demand. For online, coaching, training, marketing services, web design, webmaster services, copywriting, Airbnb management. My buddy Rye started that a couple months ago. He's already scaled up to two grand a month in like two months, okay? Um, All these are proven markets with a ton of money, Right a ton of demand, and those are just a few examples and if you want to if you want to look at how much demand there is, see how many people are working in that market and see what the top level earners are getting like a top level earner in real estate at least in Toronto is making five hundred two million dollars a year. so you want that you want to see a big 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 market with lots of money, lots of options, lots of guys making a lot of money at the top so you can say, all right that guy's making a million you know. Even if I do ten percent of what that guy's doing, I'm still doing a hundred grand. Okay, that, that's what you want to look at. It um, very important to know there's a, a big demand for your product and service. Uh, the next thing to, to keep in mind is um, a service business is your best starter business. Okay, again, we're talking about how to get started. So again. I have a blog, I have a personal brand. I don't recommend any of you guys doing that. I've mentioned why in a couple different articles and videos. I would only recommend you doing the personal brand if like it's in addition to your service business. So you got a real estate business and you build a website around it and you've got a few articles here, but doing what I'm doing, truth be told, I got lucky to be able to make a living out of this and I also have to move to Thailand to to really scale it up and all kinds of other things. I recommend you do a service-based business, okay? If I was 20 in today's climate, that's what I would do. I would learn an in in-demand skill, as I mentioned in the last uh, section on knowing, uh, knowing demand. And I would learn how to sell, which you can see in my book, How to Sell, over at books. And I would go into business and I would work like a demon possessed for the first two years. Um, again, to see how to do that, check out my book, How to Sell. And that's exactly what I would do. Also check out my article, How to Start a Service-Based Business, both the YouTube video and on my site, RevolutionaryLifestyles.com. So that is how to get started. That is it for part one. In part two, I'm gonna tell you how to get and keep uh, clients. I'm also gonna show you, um, I'm gonna break down for you getting investments. And then I'm going to talk to you about how to handle obstacles. So stay tuned for part two. And again, check out the article. I'm going to have the link in the YouTube um, comment section below at RevolutionaryLifestyleDesign.com because there's a ton of information in this. The article is like 4,000 words. You're going to want to look at the article, maybe save it to your Evernote for... um, you know, referencing it because there's a lot of, lot of, lot of content. So I want to make sure that you have that and check it out over at revolutionarylifestyle.com. So that's it. Thank you so much for watching again. Stay tuned for part two.